you may remember the first time I told you the story, you called it mucus. <laughs> she. I do remember. <laughs> oh, God, I'm a gem. Na, 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 come on. Before we start, we have something very important to say, which is... Next week, the episode is finally our movie club. The movie is Me, Him, Her. You can find it on Netflix and anywhere else you can download a movie. We can't wait to see you next week. We're going to be talking all about it. The whole episode's going to be about it. Go watch it and then send us your thoughts if you want us to share your thoughts on the podcast. Or send us questions you want us to ask each other about it. Like things you want us to talk about about it. Let us know. Welcome back to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Jay. And I'm Robert. And today we are reaching out to you, our parents, and saying, beware. We will be talking about... Sex. Yeah, sex and kinky kink. So if these things are triggering for you or if you are related to us, I would maybe suggest treading carefully. If you're not interested in hearing Robert and me talk about sex, turn off the podcast now. And if you are interested in hearing that, my number is 443. (laughs) We're giving you three seconds to turn the podcast off. Ready? Okay, if you're still here, Godspeed. We were sort of talking about this on our way here to record. Robert seems to have this idea that he is pretty vanilla sexually, and I am like I wouldn't a say, dominatrix. <laughs> I wouldn't say that I'm like vanilla in that like every time I have sex, it's missionary, and then and then it's over. But I'm definitely not like I feel like people have this idea of me, and by people I don't mean like people who listen to this podcast because it's not something I talk about. But I feel like my friends have this idea of me that I'm like am constantly like having like the kinkiest sex which it's it's not that's not true (laughs) sure like on the way over here robert was like you know i've i haven't done a lot of kinky stuff and i feel like you've done some stuff that really outweighs it and like i think both of us are pretty on a scale of like one to like knives we're both like (laughs) we're both like that's just that's just like the kinkiest thing i can think of i don't know on a scale of one to knives we're both closer to one i would say i think i'm like a like a one and you're like a two that yeah. seems right. Or mm, you're like a three and I'm like a two. Okay. Because I wouldn't say that I'm not kinky. Yeah. And we also joke a lot about kinky things. Like whenever we see people, it's like I want him to step on my face with that, yeah. with that boot, yeah. that Timberland. Or, and like whenever there's a shot of a woman walking down a hall in stilettos, you're like, oh, God. And I did just actually a few hours ago make a joke to some of my friends about Margot Robbie fucking me with a baseball bat. Yeah. <laughs> That was after she bashes five minutes ago. <laughs> I would say we're more like we talk the talk, we don't so much walk the walk. Like I've never been fucked the baseball bat. I mean, neither. Oh, me neither, me neither. There, that pause was too long. <laughs> would you consider backroom stuff to be kinky? I think so. Because there's Theo and Hugo that literally takes place At in a back room. Yeah. Yeah. The movie opens with a 20-minute orgy sequence in the basement of a bar in Paris. Angels in America, too. There's so much, like, public and backroom sex mm-hmm. and, like, the ramble and stuff. Like, kink in some capacity has always been been sort of this big part of gay male culture I feel like in a way that it hasn't been for lesbians mm-hmm. there's no sort of like long and storied history of lesbian BDSM stuff happening and there really is for gay men now, I remember the first time that I went to a gay bar I didn't want to go to the bathroom because I was nervous that people were just going to be like hooking up and there would be glory holes in the walls and like it was just going to be like awful right and then I went to the bathroom and it was none of those things because <laughs> <Thank laughs> I was fully in midtown but yeah I feel like at least for me that exists in the 
the back of my head the whole time. So I'm able to make these jokes and stuff like that. Yeah. But since it's not really present in my life at the moment, it's not something that I'm... Yeah, definitely. ...immersed in. Like, I have a friend who... Friend is a strong word. <laughs> An ex of a friend of mine who I still keep in lo- no contact with. <laughs> His new apartment has, like, a giant swing in it. And, like, he has these, like, crazy sex parties with all these porn stars. And, like, they videotape it all and put it online and stuff like that. And he has all of these toys. I watch it and I'm like, part of me thinks that this is really hot. But if I was ever encountered with that, my my body would shut down. Yeah, I have a lot of friends who go to kink parties in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, it looks like everyone there is having, like, a really great time. And they're all really happy. And um, I'm glad to be at home in my bed. (laughs) Like, I, I think that definitely... Obviously, I've had, like, fantasies about, like, going to one of those and, like, you know, like, having sex with a stranger and, like, being, like, fun and, like, carefree. But then I'm like, no, I can't do that. (laughs) You know? I'm so glad that people do it because it seems like they really enjoy it and they Mm -hmm. have a great time. And I just – the parties are so crowded. Right. I don't like parties, period, or bars, period. So, like, going to an orgy would just for me be, like – just a lot of logistics that I'm not interested in dealing with and like <laughs> honestly just kiss me and I'll be as good as I want to be okay <laughs> if I ever went to a party like that I'd be like let's just make out if I ever went to a party like that someone would call the police because they would be like this person has is, murdered is everyone being, no is being held against their will <laughs> <laughs> someone who knows me would see me and be like Are, blink twice if you're okay <laughs> But that's, like, what would happen if I went to a party, period. People would be like, you're at a bar? Like, what have they done to you? Since we don't know a lot, we thought we would bring in someone who does. Right. So we're going to start off this episode with a conversation with William Rubber Willie Schendel, Mm -hmm. who is the owner of Mr. International Rubber. Mm -hmm. And he was Mr. International Rubber 2003. He's going to open our minds a little bit, I would say. Open our... This man has known me since I was a child. (laughs) So anyway, enjoy our chat with William. So my name is William. A lot of people in the scene know me as Rubber Willie, which is a nickname I got in 2000. In the scene, the kink scene, I am uh, known as a former Mr. International Rubber, which is a fetish title, and I'm the co-owner of the Mr. International Rubber contest. Very fancy. So how did you get into the scene? I've always been interested in it. I've always, I've always known that it was different as a young faglet, you know. And when I got to college, I really got to explore things, got to branch out. I was part of a student group at Indiana University, and we were planning Pride Week. And I said, hey, let's do something about pink. Let's do like a, a pink 101 class. And that class quickly got taken over by other people in the room who knew more than the person that we had hired to uh, or asked to lead the class. And then it kind of grew from there. We formed a student group. We started throwing big parties in Bloomington, Indiana, which is also home of the Kennedy Institute. We are doing this episode because we feel like there's sort of a big division between the queer community and the kink community. Do you feel that way too? I'm so far deep in, I don't necessarily see the division because pretty much everything I hang out in, my immediate circle is all kinksters. Okay, makes sense. I'm so deep in the trenches. Almost everybody in my circle is, is kinky, but all of them are very attached to the queer community. I tend to hang out with a lot of people who are younger than me. I just turned 47. I'd say the median age in the group that I hang out with is around 32. Oh. But that's because my event that I host skews really young. Oh, really? Yeah. A lot of kids coming out of college, exploring their sexuality, exploring their fetishes, exploring their pink. My event is 
one of many events that are very friendly and open to them and offer them the opportunity to explore without criticism or judgment. They can be themselves and find themselves. Oh. How would you define kink? So, kink is a moving target. Oh. oh. Because it's only kinky the first or second time you try it. Okay. Oh. And then after that, it's just, it's not something you're into or it becomes normal. Huh. Oh. Wow. So, kink is always a moving target and it's always been a moving target throughout history. Homosexuality was kinky, was different. It's, you know, kink is really, it's all about bending from the norm. You know, that's straight people. <laughs> they, they, that's the norm. They are straight and narrow, you mm-hmm. know. Kinky people are people who start to veer away or bend away from the norm. Oh. But then, once you start bending away from the norm, it all starts to become normalized for you. And so, normal is now new for you, huh. you know. Some of the big drag shows are part of the norm, you know, and they're, they're kind of taking over. But for a lot of people, drag shows are still way out of the norm. Drag is way out of the norm. Same thing goes for kink. It's all, it's hmm. all about your perspective. What's kinky is very much defined by one's own perspective. I've never thought about it like that. Me neither. Sociological study of deviance. You know, what is deviance? You know, deviance from the norm. That's what kink is. Kink is deviance from the norm, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, that's the broader term. But, like, if you if you get down into sexuality, you know, and actual practices, you know, then there's a whole slew of things that are, are kinky, you know? Dildos can be kinky. Bondage can be kinky. Water sports can be kinky. Leather, rubber, flogging, paddling, eagles. Blood sports. Blood sports? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I tried to find something that were, you know, cross the range. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> Your face is red. <laughs> it's, I just never thought, I never think about blood, I guess. <laughs> In any capacity. What was your first introduction to the the scene in Chicago? I moved to Chicago in 2000 from Indianapolis, but I've been up to Chicago numerous times before that. I'd say my first introduction was in Indianapolis, actually. When I was about 18, I went to a bar in Indianapolis called the 501, and it was a Levi and Leather bar. I went on a Tuesday night. They used to do something called Two-Step and Tuesday. Oh. Oh. Um, so the, all these guys two-stepping together, and it was just amazing to see. And these guys were, you know, in their full country western gear and just spinning through the bar, going at it. And it was kind of, I was like, oh, this is different. This is kind of fun. I didn't know guys could do this. And then on the weekend, that bar turns into a full-on leather bar. And so I experienced that a couple times. It was like, I like the energy in this room. I like these guys. I like this. Hmm. I like these kinds of men. So that's kind of how it got started. And then when I came to Chicago, there's there were at that point in time three leather bars in Chicago, the Cell Block, the Eagle, and Touche. I worked back and forth between the Eagle and Cell Block and had lots of fun. So how did you move from leather to rubber? Because they're similar, but not the same, I would say. They're similar, but they have very unique qualities to them. So I was first introduced to rubber in college at one of these big fetish balls that we did. We did a liquid latex demonstration. It's just like painting. And so I was painted on stage by chest with latex. And I was like, oh, this is cute. This is fun. Well, then you have to get the liquid latex off. Oh. And you peel it off. Oh. And any body hair that you have that's stuck in it <gasps> comes off with it. Oh. <laughs> so that was uh-huh. quite an interesting experience. The real conversion actually happened in 2000. I was vacationing in Florida with a friend and went to a bar in Fort Lauderdale, another bar in Fort Lauderdale, and was literally on my hands and knees crawling out of the back room of the bar because it was so packed I couldn't get out of the back room to go down and crawl out between people's legs. And as I stood up, there was this very sexy bald guy who walked by me, and 
European. Yeah. And I ended up spending the next six days with him, abandoned my friends, went back to his place. Mm-hmm. And he said, can I pull out my chaps? And I said, sure. And I wasn't looking, and I heard them first. And I turned around and said, what's that? And he said, they're rubber. I was like, oh. And from there on, I was kind of in. They have a different smell. They have a different sound. They have a different taste. Latex transmits sensations through them. So if you were to take an ice cube and place it on someone who was wearing a latex cat suit, they'd feel the ice cube immediately. Oh. If, you were, if someone oh. was wearing like a leather vest, it would take probably 10 seconds for that cold sensation to make it through the leather and oh, get wow. to the person. Oh, interesting. So it transmits those sensations really quickly. And it's just sexy, like skin tight. A lot of guys in the scene equate it to being like a suit of armor or a superhero costume. I love it. It's like you had a me cute with rubber. Yeah. That's so sweet. (laughs) This season of One More Thing has been mainly funded by our existing Patreon subscribers. Yeah. You can find out a whole bunch of stuff about Patreon at patreon.com slash one more thing. But basically once a month, all of our friends with benefits over at Patreon are set up to give us a monthly donation that helps us give you as much content as possible. And in return, they get a whole bunch of exclusive content. Bonus content. Video episodes, extra audio episodes, sometimes even extended episodes of your usual content. And in the month of December, our Patreon subscribers at any level will get an extra special One More Thing holiday treat. So if you want to know what that is, you got to sign up. (laughs) Go to patreon.com slash one more thing. And now back back to your regular, 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 regular. Regularly scheduled content. And now back to your regular. <laughs> back to the episode. How has the community evolved since the '90s? Because you you talked about it being a moving target for like people as individuals. Has that sort of happened with the community too? Has there been an evolution? Yeah, there's been evolutions on multiple fronts. So kink itself, the spectrum of what we've perceived to be as a kink is a moving target. The kink community and the kink scene itself has evolved as well. Just like society, we're moving along with society in this experience of life. Things change around us. I don't think being trans in the kink community was a topic that we discussed when I was in college, but it's a big topic of discussion now. How do we incorporate trans people into kink spaces? Are we still allowed to have designated men's space? Are we allowed to have designated Mm. women's space who gets into those spaces when gender starts becoming a more fluid issue this has been a huge topic because you know when we're when we're talking about kink we can divide it into two things we can talk about play so that's non-penetrative non-sex focused play so flogging electro play piercing those kinds of things don't necessarily have to involve penetration and orgasm Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of those can be all about the release of endorphins and achieving that kind of a natural high but then on the other side is definite sex play where genitals and sexual organs are kind of the key and that's where everybody kind of gets up in arms about who's allowed in my space what's happening and that's been an ongoing discussion some organizations and clubs have been able to resolve that. Some are still working to try and resolve that. And pulling back from that, at least from a gay men's perspective, women in men's spaces, so leather bars were for the longest time men's spaces. And so over the years, that has 
shifted, and we've seen that change. And I can't say women are welcome in all leather bars, but I can say that they're welcome in more than they were when I was in college. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that men's leather bars, gay men's leather bars, were sexual spaces. There was sex happening there. And at that point in time, they didn't want women in those spaces. They wanted it to be a gay men's space. They wanted it to be a safe space where gay men could go have really raunchy, kinky sex and not have to worry about people gawking or onlooking. And again, all of that is starting to shift. I think a lot of people are trying to, to navigate that in different ways. Some people are trying to be inclusive. Other people are really battening down the hatches and saying, no, this is men's space. We don't want these varieties to be here. We want this to be exclusive and discriminating in a, in a different way. It, when, it, when we say discriminating, it sounds like discrimination, but you know, we're making a choice and picking and choosing what this space is and we're creating that space. So, Do you think that that kind of divides it inside of the person making those decisions or the places where they're like, these are the people that are welcome in this space? It happens on both levels. There are venues that identify themselves as men's space or pansexual space. So anybody who wants to be sexual can be sexual in this space. There are women's spaces as well. You know, different people promote different events. So at MIR this year, we had four play parties. Normally we only have one play party. Normally we have what's called the, the men's strict rubber dress code party. And it was an exclusively men's event. This year we broadened that out to a men's party, a women's party, a pansexual party, and we had a fisting party as well. But some of those spaces, the men's play party was held in a club space that is a pansexual club, but we rented the space for the evening to hold a men's event. So it happens on both levels. And it's all negotiation. Just like anything you do in the kink arena, it should be negotiated. This is what my limits are. I don't want to do that. I'm not interested in that at all. It totally turns me off. I'm interested in this. I don't know a lot about it. If you know something about that, I'd like to explore that. Or I know all about this. I'm game for it. Let's go. This is a green light. I'm in. You got to negotiate all these things. Play spaces are negotiated too. Speaking of negotiation, what's the relationship like between the different communities within the kink community? Like between like you guys and like leather, is there any sort of overlap or crossover or do you, is it like a West Side Story thing? Do you guys hate each other? Like what's the... Jets and sharks, boy. Boy, <laughs> boy. Uh, no, I kind of see leather as kind of like this overarching umbrella. So we talked about capital L leather being okay. like this big overarching umbrella. And then under that, there are all these other things like rubber and puppies, cowboys, rodeo and water sports and, you know, forced feminization and gender play. And, mm-hmm. you know, all these different oh things happen under that. They don't always get along together. There are sometimes turf wars. I think a lot of that happens from people who just don't understand it and don't get it, and it's not their fetish, Mm -hmm. you know? So let's say I'm into leather, and I'm into what we call full bluff leather, so breeches, leather, uniform, fetish leather. I like guys in head-to-toe uniforms looking like they just walked out of some general camp in a war or something. Like, I get off on the uniform and the power of that uniform. They don't tend to get what the rubber guys are about. They're like, Mm -hmm. you look like a freak, you look like a superhero. It's because they don't find that erotic and attractive. That's where all the turf wars tend to end up. It's where these fetishes bump up against each other, and it's personal preference. 
that oh. is at play in those situations. It's attraction. It's all about yeah. tra- attraction and sexual attraction and what gets you off. Oh, that's really interesting. Wow. So we like, try to bridge the gaps. You know, we all try We all try to work together. We throw a big party at International Mr. Leather every year, oh. which is probably the biggest conference that happens every year in Chicago. Thousands of guys take over a hotel and everybody who's there is, again, under that capital L leather. So we all try and get along. We're all there for the same reason, to have fun have a lot of crazy sex and meet some new people and for a lot of people it's a family reunion oh so, that's yeah, cute it is it's crazy but it is <laughs> a lot of guys come in from all around the world and we don't get to see each other that often oh. you know we can thankfully we can stay in touch online now oh, but yeah. you know we don't get to actually physically see each other hug talk face to face get to have sex you know it's at these big events these big international fetish events where we can get together that we do that and so it really does become a family reunion you see people who haven't seen each other in a year just like making out in a corner because that's, that's what it's so there for sweet Aww. oh i love that say i fucked all night and all the night before baby and i feel just like i want to fuck some more great god daddy grind me honey and shave me dry and when you hear me holler baby want you to shave me dry So let's talk about sort of the history of kink as like a community and a concept. Because we don't know like the most in the world and we assume that you know probably a lot more than we do. So let's focus on the modern world. Please. Okay. Quote unquote modern world. I would say let's go back to like the 1800s is when people start actually documenting and writing and investigating human sexuality. So that's where we get S&M. So S&M comes from Leopold Sacher Masuk who is an Austrian writer and he wrote a story called Venus and Furs. Oh, oh yeah. About his, yeah, his own fantasies about a dominant woman wearing fur dominating him. From his name, we get masochism. Oh. To receive the dominant. And then sadism. The Marquis de Sade, uh, right? From, of course, the Marquis de Sade, yeah. who was a libertine. And libertines were all about, we're going to get rid of society's norms regarding sexuality and philosophy and all of these things. We're going to live our lives. What makes us happy? And he liked inflicting pain on people. He got sexual gratification from inflicting pain on people. So that's where sadism comes from. How did the two get lumped together? The two got lumped together by a researcher named Richard von Kraft Ebbing. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, okay. Sadism and masochism in uh, 1890 in a paper called New Research in the Area of Psychopathology of Sex. This is all around the time Freud's like looking into things like that. Oh, that and makes sense. They start documenting and really, how does this work? What makes people tick? Then we get the World Wars come along. And in the World Wars, you've got all these men conscripted spending all this time together in the trenches and in bunkers and all these different places. And they emerge, and a lot of the gay guys who are in the World Wars are missing now that they've lost all these ships that they have. So they're trying to recreate them. Oh. Mm. The end of World War Two, and obviously I'm, I'm focusing here on the gay male side of things. Right. Because uh, that's what I know. But at the end of World War Two, you start to see the rise in biker culture. Mm, yeah. All these bike clubs, and then you get Rebel Without a Cause shows up, which uh. is actually reacting to the biker culture. Oh. It's starting in California. And this is where these guys were able to find this that they found when they were in the military and they're able to perpetuate it and keep it going and keep these really close bonds with other men and also stay outside of the norms of society. Oh. And kind of 
we're creating our own world, we're not going to be part of your world, we're going to be part of our own world, we're going to make our own utopia. So women work do a really big role in kind of gay male kink culture. They develop biker clubs, and then they start to have clubhouses, and then we morph into leather bars, which are then the professional side of things. Mm-hmm. And then, remember, there's no internet at this point in time, so there's publications that are coming out, little magazines, little pamphlets, and they have classifieds in the back. But for something more immediate to meet someone, you go to a leather bar, and you get a leather vest. Everyone has to have a leather vest to get in the bar, or some major piece of leather, kind of like a passcode. Then once you get in the bar with your leather, now you've got to find some way to find someone who's into bondage, or water sports, or piercing. So then you develop the hanky coat. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> That I know about. So that's where the hanky coat came from. Huh. Wow. You're in this space now for all these sexual minorities, sexual rebels. They're all there. They all are interested into some of these things. How do you find the guys who are interested in what you were interested in? Mm-hmm. Wow. You start tucking these colored hankies in your back pockets, saying whether you're a giver or a receiver, and each of the colors correspond to specific things, and you start to hook up, and you can either go to a back corner or a back hallway, or you can go home, or a dungeon. All of these different options start becoming available to you because of these bars and clubs where you can connect with these other people. Wow. And then we get the internet, and everything changes, and it's all horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but if we look back at history, Kink has existed forever. It's always been around. It just didn't get documented well until the 1800s. If you look at Pompeii, the, the murals at Pompeii have all sorts of crazy practices. You've got the Kama Sutra, of which sex was right. just a portion of the Kama Sutra. Mm-hmm. But it documents all sorts of positions and different ways to find different kinds of sexual arousal. Japan has lots of documentation from the Edo period of alternative sexual practices. So, you know, it goes back a long ways, but we, you know, get very narrowed in our Western modern thinking that, oh, no, this must be something new. It's been around forever. It just hasn't been documented that well. Wow. Well, speaking of documentation, here's a segue. What are some of your favorite slash least favorite representations of kink, like in the media? Okay, so I want broader definition of the media. Okay. Great. Um, so not just TV and film. There's a lot of erotica out there that can do really good representations of it. I'd say probably one of the most famous media representations would be Betty Page, who was a pinup. Oh, yeah, yeah. uh-huh. She's amazing, but she only did that for five years. She's so well-known, but she only did, she did pinup work for right after the war. And then for five years, she worked with a guy named Irving Claw, and he had a camera club. And a camera club was a way to get around U.S. restrictions on pornography. So there were all these guys who had their own cameras, and he would set up photo shoots, and Betty Page would show up, and she'd do five hours every Saturday, and one of those hours was bondage hour. Whoa. So she would, either she would be the damsel in distress in these images, or she would be the dominatrix in these images. Hmm. Wow. She said she, she never thought of anything of it. It was just modeling work, and she didn't look down on anybody, but it wasn't really anything she was into, per se. But she became this huge idol for people. Interesting. Wow. Uh, I talked to a bunch of friends, and they said there's a movie from 2002 called Secretary, and it's a romantic comedy with Maggie Gyllenhaal and James Spader. Oh, great pair. <laughs> <laughs> It's fun, it's romantic, and I think that's also one of the things that people really like about it. It explores the relationship between a dominant man and his, his submissive secretary. Uh-huh. It starts off with a professional thing, and then it just kind of goes deeper hmm. and really explores power exchange between two 
individuals. Oh, I like that. Uh, and dominance and submission and all of those things. For a queer relationship, I would recommend the book The Secret Historian. Ooh, that sounds fun. Yeah. Yes, by Justin Spring. It came out a few years ago. It was my summer beach read, and I got through it in a week. Ooh. Oh, wow. It tells the story of a man named Sam Stewart, who was a poet, a university professor, a tattoo artist, and an erotic novelist. Ooh. Uh, and throughout his life, he documented every single sexual encounter that he ever had. He had a huge card catalog, and on each card was devoted to an individual person, and every time he had sex with that person, he would document in code on the back what it was he did with them, whether it was enjoyable or not, the duration of the time period. Oh, wow. Just very detailed. And he worked with, with Alfred Kinsey oh. as well. He was one of Kinsey's primary sources for understanding gay male sexuality. And he explored the full gamut of gay male sexuality. Bondage, flogging, spanking, tattoos, piercings, the whole thing. Mm. It's fascinating. He was a professor at DePaul University here in Chicago. Oh. The book cites all sorts of places that he lived, where his apartments were. He used to trip down on the Chicago River under the Wrigley Building. It's fascinating. It's a fascinating read. All drawn from original sourcing, his own journals, diaries, everything. Oh, wow. So it's kind of fabulous. And he knew Gertrude Stein <gasps> and Alice Tokbus. And oh. He knew all these people. Wow. Uh, but he kind of gave it all up and did his own sexual rebel thing. So, yeah. That's really interesting. I'm going to read that. It's an amazing yeah, it book. Fun. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Now, I want you to bend over the desk so you're looking directly at it. Get your face very close to the letter and read the letter aloud. Um, I don't understand. There's nothing to understand. Put your elbows on the desk, bend over, get your face close to the letter, and read it aloud. Dear Mr. Garvey, I'm grateful to you for referring... Continue. Um... Miss Holloway, read. For referring me to your case. The subject of animal captivity has been of interest to me for quite a while and my secretary has prepared research material that I think you will find illuminating. If you would be so kind as to send me the June 5th letter of which we spoke, my associates and I will review it immediately. Please feel free to call me at your earliest convenience. Yours sincerely, E. Edward Gray. We should again. Yeah, I was about I to ask. Say, yeah. Nobody in the kink community takes seriously <gasps> at all. It's like a suburban housewife fever dream. <laughs> we actually did a fundraiser, an event up uh, here in Chicago a few weeks ago, that we took Fifty Shades of Grey and did a Mystery Science Theater 3000 to it. Oh my God. Where people just sat in the audience and made fun of it. We raised, I think, about $1,000 for a food for here in Chicago. Oh, oh my God. So. Like, I've never read the book, or any of the books. I saw, like, half of one of the movies, and it felt very, like, beige. Yeah, that, and it, it doesn't accurately portray what we would consider to be realistic kink relationships. Consent is a big part of what mainstream kink relationships are. So there's two big things we talk about, two philosophies, safe, sane, and consensual. Oh. Mm-hmm. So everything must be safe. We're using safe practices. We know that, you know, okay, we're not going to do this because that could really harm you long term. Sane, we're not on any substances, not drunk. Everything we're doing here, we're in it. Mm-hmm. We're in the right head space and consensual. We all agree to this. Check in periodically throughout it. Are you still good with this? We have safe words. We use 
stoplight colors, red, yellow, green. Oh. Green go, yellow, stop, slow down, red, stop. The other one is risk-aware consensual kink. Huh. Right. So, that, exactly. So we know that there are things that we're going to do that might not be safe and might not be safe. So if, if you're going to use mind-altering substances, talk about it. Make sure you both know what you're taking. Make sure you both know that you're checking in on each other and you know where you're going and that you're in the same place. If you're going to do something like needle play, that you know that all the needles are sterilized. Everything gotcha. is like you've taken all the precautions you need for this, what we would call edge play. Things that could cause some serious harm if they're not done correctly. But then we get back to consent again. It's always part of this. Everyone's got to be on board. No one's doing something against someone else's will. I'm not always so sure that Fifty Shades, everything was consensual in that. Yeah. There was power being used to manipulate, which is not necessarily what we think of as kink. That's just abuse of power, you know? <laughs> so what would you say is the difference between queer kink and straight kink? Or is there right. a difference, really? It's weird for me. Every time the word queer comes up, I'm like, oh, we're shifting into a different mindset here. And I'm, uh <laughs> But for me, it's like, you know, okay, gay, lesbian, like anybody who's a rebel, I consider to be, you know, queer in that regard. Or outside the norm, you're queer. I'll speak from the the rubber side of things. In the rubber scene, in the straight scene, it is all about the woman. It is all about getting her into these really tightly corseted, beautifully made couture ensembles that like push the boobs up, make them really prominent, and then making these women into goddesses. That's kind of almost always exclusively the focus. Very rarely have I ever seen, at least in rubber, men being the focus of attention. It's all about these idolized women. And again, it's that gender play that you get there, which you don't necessarily always get in a gay male environment or in a women's environment. We address it differently in power exchange, dominant submission, other role plays that may not necessarily be gender-based. But the straight scene is very active. Really? It's huge. You just don't hear about it as much. Interesting. You don't. Straight people, we never question, we never talk about, we never bring up the kind of sex that straight people have. Interesting. We always talk about what kind of sex do gay people have that because you know we're the ones who are always the target and these discussions most often happen when someone's being targeted and persecuted Um, conversation doesn't really happen around the straight community again they're the norm we don't really debate or discuss what it is that they're doing even though statistics and we all know people who are out there who are swingers right who you know have a dominant wife they love getting you know down on their knees and having her high heels shoved into their crotch all of these things happen but they do not talk about it and so it's all hidden away. I think we're more open about it on the, the queer side, the gay, lesbian, bi, trans side, because it's how we're defined. Our sexuality is how we are defined by society. And so we have to justify our existence to some extent. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. Sexuality is natural. There's all these different ways to express it, all these different flavors. The more the merrier. Have fun with it. The puritanical society, though, overrides that. We don't discuss sex. That's something for the bedroom, you know. I feel like that's the reverse of how I always assumed it would be. Hmm. I don't know, maybe because, like, you and I are both so 
entrenched in like the gay community like I feel like I think about straight people sexually way more than I do gay people you know like I feel like I'm like what do they do I mean this is what I've always thought it just sounds a lot more educated when you you say it (laughs) one of the most amazing evenings I've, I've had when I was a title holder way back when I was standing at the bar at the cell block in Chicago which is a leather bar in Boys Town on the strip And I saw this couple walk in the door, guy and a girl, and they were just standing over by the bartender, not talking to anybody. I just walked over and said, hey, how you doing? What's going on? What brings you out tonight? And they were students from the Moody Bible College. And they were trying to understand the gay community. (gasps) And so they had started at Belmont and had worked their way all the way north, just going into different bars and having a drink. And they said I was the first person who actually stopped and talked to them. Whoa. And so I spent probably a good hour just sitting there talking to them about okay well this is a leather bar and the guys here tend to be really down to earth and very approachable and they might look kind of intimidating but most of the time they're not you know we just had that conversation with them because they were trying to figure it out and it's you know we're open about these things you know we talk about it wow i hope they had a good time yeah i I think they did they told me that they felt when they left that they had a much better understanding of the gay community and the different bars they asked you know what's sidetrack you know there was a lot of video playing and you know there were people just standing around and singing and i was like oh okay this is what sidetracks is about spin is a dance bar and you know everybody's going in with a different focus so i don't think a lot of straight people don't talk about sex don't talk about sex openly yeah wow you're an ambassador (laughs) I, I i think we all are to some extent that's part of what being a gay person is. Well, yeah. So that's the coming out process, just on a different level. <laughs> the eternal coming out <laughs> process. Listen to me. I don't do romance. My tastes are very singular. You wouldn't understand. on the spot okay. oh god so what is one kink oh god. that you're curious about haha <laughs> jay's like oh god no <laughs> okay puppy play has been something that i'm very curious oh my in. god i watched a documentary for two reasons one because my ex was into it and i never <gasps> understood it so we never really okay. went into that and two during broadway bears this year they did a big puppy number and i was yep. like this is so hot, but I don't understand it. So it's not that I'm curious in pursuing it. I'm more curious as in like trying to like better understand that whole culture, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I want to yeah. know about electro play. Well, my ex was <laughs> okay. also into that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> There's two different schools of thought on puppy play. The older school of puppy play is what are a puppy's prime responsibilities? What are their directives? Like, what does a puppy do? All a puppy does is eat, sleep, shit, play. Like, that's it. That's all they do. They have no cares in the world. They don't have to worry about a meeting they're having next week with the boss. (laughs) They don't have to worry about their bills. It's this total escapism into, I'm leaving everything behind. The minute I put this hood on, all I got to do is eat, sleep, shit, play. That's it. Base, core needs. That is kind of the old school. There's a new school of thought that revolves, oddly enough, around Blue's Clues, where being a puppy is all about being cute 
And by being cute, you then become attractive and it opens up this whole other fun side of things. It takes the old school and adds on the cuteness factor and tries to go in a different direction with it. Mm -hmm. So that's one way to look at the puppy thing. Then you get into handlers, which are the, you know, then you get into power exchange. That's what I watched a documentary about. It was all about couples who have like the handler and the puppy Mm -hmm. and like they would like go out on walks and I thought it was so interesting because I had never seen anything like it. At the cell block here in Chicago, people actually have dog bowls at the bar with their name on them and there are rules, at least at the cell block. You are not allowed to, no paws and no straws. So you can't pick up the bowl with your hands and you can't use a straw to get your drink out of the bowl. So you have to navigate a way to pick up the bowl with your teeth, get it onto the edge of the bar so it's a little sloped and then get your face down into the bowl so that you can drink without drowning. That sounds like fun. That's a lot of work. (laughs) It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. Electro. Yeah. You know those uh, kits that you use to do muscle stimulation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a chiropractor? Same exact thing. It's electrostimulation of muscles. So you can put them in your genital regions. I only know about electro for guys. So you can put a cock ring on that has electro on it or a, a ball stretcher that has electro on it. They also make insertables that have electro. So you can put in a butt plug that has an electro device on it. I have done that with someone else. It was quite fun. There's also a violet wand, which is basically a glass tube that has electrical running through it like the Van de Graaff machine that you did in high school Whoa. with static electricity. Yeah. But a little bit stronger. You can do that as well. Electro, you have to be very careful with though well, because yeah, you can really throw off your heart Oh! if you're doing it incorrectly and placing them incorrectly and you can also burn yourself if it's done incorrectly if you get the circuits too close it's not connecting through the body correctly your body basically becomes the conductor so electro is something you have to do with someone who knows what they're doing and you have to study it before you do it you don't just jump into electro willy-nilly oh wow so wow wow I would be so nervous. Have you ever been electrocuted? No, I've never been electrocuted. Oh. But I have done, I do muscle stimulation at my physical therapy sometimes. So that's probably, you're probably doing that at around like a level two or a three. Yeah, exactly. Some of them go up to like a level 29. Oh, oh yeah. my God. There's a game that we play sometimes at events where one of the guys in the room will have a electric butt plug in while walking around the event and people will just start passing the remote around the room and we call it the boy dance. Oh. And so all of a sudden you'll just see someone jumping and going, ah, ah, ah. Okay, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's all done with consent. So that person agrees exactly. and knows what they're getting into. And yeah, so oh, it's not wow. like non-consensual. Oh, I Fun love times. that. Like I said, explore. There's lots out there to explore. There's lots of flavors to sex and sexuality. So that's what it's all about. Yeah, I've learned a lot. It's been so good <laughs> talking to you. And we've only scratched the surface. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I bet we could do an entire podcast devoted to King. Yeah. Well, if I can do a plug, there's one, a friend of mine named Amp does oh. one. It's called What's the Safe Word? Oh, that's safe good. W-A-T-T-S. And it's a video blog. And every week he tackles different issues in sexuality and kink. So Love excellent one to go to if you want to just look for kink. Oh, I didn't get that until I saw it written down. Yeah, what's, what's, what's what's the safe? I see. Oh, I love the pun. Yes, his name is Amp, A-M-P, like Amperage. Oh. 
Let me just take you through the laundry list of things that I've done. Oh. I've listened to every episode. My goodness. I subscribe on iTunes. <gasps> Thank you so much. I've even reviewed you. Oh my on god. ITunes. That's our favorite thing in the world for people to do. You can follow us on every social media platform. You All can of them? Twitter, one more thing. Instagram, one more thing. To be clear, that's one more thing with an A because I was taken. Yeah. On Facebook, one more thing podcast. And you know what you can even do there? What? You could get your friends to listen to the podcast by posting about it and tagging the page. You know what I do love though? Every Wednesday I get an email notification from you guys. Oh my God, I love email more than anything. That walks me visually through the episode and gives me some extra little online content that's not from you. Yeah, oh my God. I love those email notifications. Every week I'm just sitting at my desk and I'm like, man, it's Wednesday morning. I'm waiting for an email from Jay and Robert. Tinyletter.com slash one more thing. The moment that I knew that I liked the conversation that we were having with him was when he was like, I view kink as a moving target. Or a moving I love that, yeah. Yeah, because that, I immediately knew what he was talking about. And exactly. I was like, oh, yeah. Like, kink can be anything from just holding someone's hands behind their head to, like, blood sports. And, Jesus. And that makes me reconsider a little bit the conversation we were having before we talked to him about how kinky we are. Yeah. Narrative. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe both of us are, like, equally kinky, just that means something different to each of us. Yeah. We're all kinky. Yeah, we're all kinky. In our own way. Because he says that kink is just something that's different. Yeah. So I have a couple of examples of media that has lesbian kink in it. Okay. And you have a couple of examples that has gay men kink in it. The only thing that I could think of when thinking about, like, gay men in kink situations is it's always, like, a joke. Like, it's always, like, oh, I'm, like, flirting with this guy. And then he has, like, chaps. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, oh, God, there's never, like, a serious kink situation going on, at least in my experience or or the things that I have seen. Well, that's similar to the first example I have, which is an episode of The L Word, Hmm. where Alice, who you may remember from the episode you watched as the girl who would let her girlfriend talk during therapy. Oh, The one who I deeply relate to because she has the web of who everyone's hooked up with Mm -hmm. on her wall. There's an episode where she dates a vampire. Okay. (laughs) Pause for effect. Who ties her up in her bedroom. And that's, like, the kinkiest... Aside from, like, some of them, like, have sex with food or, like, have sex outside. Like, that's the only example of, like, BDSM on the show. But it's with, like, a vampire. And the punchline is that, like, Alice just gets, like, stuck and, like, tied up. And she's, like, with this literal woman who wants, like, suck her blood. And there's no sort of actual examination of what a real relationship with someone like that would be. It's just, like, a, uh uh-oh, wacky shenanigans. That's the first example I could think of, which is, like, really... Just, like, a joke. And then the next version I thought of was Transparent, which mm-hmm. in seasons two and three, Sarah? That is her name. Yeah. Yes. Played. The one that everyone hates, but the other one I kind of like. She sort of gets involved with a professional dominatrix mm-hmm. who she goes to to, like, punish her. The weird thing about that is that it's not really sexual so much. It's more emotional. Yeah, it's... Which, I mean, I guess can, can be. Definitely. And she definitely gets off from it. Yeah, but I also think it's more so... It's more so like she needs a way to express her anger at herself and Mm -hmm. at other people and then halfway through the season she like basically flips the relationship and she starts whipping the dominatrix and she like goes too far and ignores the safe word and the dominatrix is like get out of here yeah which i would say is not really like a nuanced examination of what a bdsm relationship can be because it's really just sort of like oh she's got issues so she needs kink you know it sort of feels to me like a just like a we don't know how to have this character process her emotions so like we'll throw this in 
Yeah. As like a, well, she needs something deviant to be happening. Mm-hmm. In this season, she goes through this whole thing with Alia Shockett where she starts this like full-blown relationship with her while she's also dating her husband. And they start this sexual kinky relationship where her hus- she makes her husband fuck Alia Shockett, but she like grabs his hips and like she fucks Alia Shockett through her husband. And it's this like very bizarre thing, but it grows and grows and grows and grows and grows until they get like too wrapped up in it and it like explodes in their face basically. You're late. I'm sorry. Drop your shit. Get on your knees. That up. This'll do. Thanks. Ooh, hip. It's easier than dealing with cash. Yeah, cash is so dirty. See you next week, Sarah. Okay, thanks, Pony. So there's this one movie that I think is really a good depiction of dominant submissive relationship, like a kinky relationship, and it is a lesbian movie. It's called The Duke of Burgundy. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put it out there. It's not a great movie. I saw it with a couple of my friends, and afterwards we were all like, that movie was solidly fine. Mm -hmm. As we were putting together this episode, I was sort of thinking about the movie again, and I was like, oh, like let me look at this movie again, and I sort of flipped through it, and I realized that it's actually a really beautiful exploration of like how a completely safe, sane, consensual, dominant, submissive relationship can work. So the movie is about this woman and her, like, for lack of a better word, sex slave who lives with her and who every day they sort of enact this role play of the girlfriend basically being the first woman's maid. They're like... Ooh, that's hot. It's very hot. They're like these two, like, incredibly rich, like, incredibly beautiful French women who just, like, live out this fantasy every day. And... The conflict of the movie is that the the girl who plays the maid in the relationship feels like her needs aren't being met and is basically like, I'm not receiving as much out of this relationship as I'm putting in. You are getting all of the pleasure out of this relationship and I'm not getting anything out of it anymore and I want the relationship to be more on my terms. And the dominant woman is like, no, I'm the top, quote unquote. That's not a quote from the movie. <laughs> She's basically like, no, I'm like in charge. This has to be on my terms. And the woman who plays the maid is like, no, I'm not gonna do this if it cannot be completely consensual and completely on my terms. And by the end of the movie, I'm going to spoil it because no, you don't have to like watch it. Basically, the way the movie ends is the, the the submissive woman has like moved on to a relationship with another woman and the dominant woman comes back and is like, I'm sorry, I was wrong. You're right. We have to like renegotiate the terms of this so that it can be, we can be on equal footing even though the roles we play are dominant and submissive, mm-hmm. we have to both be like equal partners with equal standing in the relationship. And the submissive woman is like, great. And they work it out and they like go back to their relationship. It's probably the only version of that story of like a kinky BDSM story I've ever seen where they actually like negotiate consent and are like, listen, if we're not both getting pleasure out of this, we're done. That's mm-hmm. the end. Which I think is really sort of amazing that this like French erotica movie has this sort of revolutionary storyline of what a BDSM relationship can be. However, it's not a great film. The performances... It sounds great. It would be if the performances were good and if the script was better. Oh, I see. Unfortunately, they're not. It would just be nice if you volunteered to rub my back. Sorry. I didn't know you needed anything. Well, you can see that I'm in pain. Well, it's not exactly inspiring to see you dressed like that. Good thing you're not a doctor, then. That's really some look you're there. Even the trams are less shabby. 
started to wonder why I bothered buying you a whole wardrobe. I need an instruction manual to get into half of the things you buy me. I would just like to feel comfortable. Thank you very much. One thing that we didn't talk about is American Horror Story. Oh my god, I completely <laughs> forgot. Yeah. Whoa. There's seven seasons of yeah. that shit. <laughs> wow. There is a cake season, in every episode. You literally started season one with the rubber man. Yeah. Who's going around and like having sex with everyone as a ghost. <laughs> yeah. Which by the way, talk about kink being used in a non-consensual way. That whole season is about, and it's erotically shot, but is about non-consensual sex. Then you move on to the second season, which has a lot more rape. Yeah, but it also has Lily Rabe in that red like slip. <laughs> Adam Levine and Channing Tatum's wife. Oh, yeah, uh, Jenna Dewan Tatum. Yeah, going into the asylum yeah. for Kank. Yeah, to, to like, like have, have sex, sex in haunted in places. Like, yeah. In the third season, they have sex with corpses. There's the baby-making ceremony that yeah. Sarah does with the Where snakes and snakes the candles. And when Gabby masturbates with the minotaur. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did two-headed Sarah ever have sex? Because, no offense, but that's kinky if you're having sex with Sarah Paul. <laughs> you know what? I think they did. <laughs> and then, like, Sarah Paulson 2 has to, like, shut off the thoughts. <laughs> While Sarah Paulson 1, like, has sex with them. Sarah and Paulson. <laughs> Lady Gaga has so much sex on yeah. that show that is kinky, crazy sex. I mean, you could say Billy filming herself fingering Sarah Paulson in the bathtub. Which I'm only saying is maybe kink because she was filming herself. Yeah. And was, like, going to exploit it. Mm-hmm. Was not consensual. Oh, and, and Sarah Paulson's butt in her jeans. Kinky for me again. I would say that American Horror Story in general is not such a great example. I don't know if that's Ryan Murphy to blame or... I think we can blame everything on Ryan Murphy. True. I just don't know. Like, do you think Ryan Murphy has, like, a kink expert, like, on his writing staff? No. I think Ryan Murphy thinks he himself is a kink expert. If you're looking for kink on television, don't go to American Horror Story. Yeah. Is what we're saying. Unless you're attracted to Sarah Paulson. In which case, call me. If you are Sarah Paulson, call me so I can tell you how to stay away from Jane. (laughs) How dare you? 46,000 people died here. Do you think it's haunted? (laughs) (laughs) They shuttled the bodies out through an underground tunnel called the Death Chute. We should totally do it in the Death Chute. Oh my god, you are so demented. I love you. What are we going to tell our kids about the honeymoon? We'll tell them the truth. (sighs) We visited the 12 most haunted places in America and screwed our brains out in every single one. Or that mommy's a horror freak and daddy lives to make mommy happy. He does. Mm Hey, Jay, what time is it? It's time for one more thing. I thought that it would be really fun (laughs) for us to tell each other the kinkiest thing we've ever done with another person. And to do this and not get in trouble, we're going to actually bleep out (laughs) one of the things that we're doing. And you will only hear the reactions. Tweet at us and try and guess what we're saying. And we will retweet our favorites. If you get it right word for word, we will tell you. Yeah, it'll be like Mad Libs. Yeah. So mine was, we had bought this sort of that meant that I could either or and so at this point I had got it and then took an ice cube Ah. and oh god and then that doesn't sound pleasurable with the ice cube uh huh like because how did it not melt because he was like wait a second you put the ice cube yeah with 
But how did it not melt? I mean, it did. I had a cup of ice. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this was, like, in the middle of summer as well. So it wasn't, So it like, was gonna melt. Yeah, but it wasn't, like, December where it was cold. And oh, then I was, like, it. all of this, however, was during a party that was happening outside of his store. Wow, that's kinky. Wow. I'm not vanilla. <laughs> So this has been another episode of Mars. <laughs> I can't wait. I mean, I know who it's about. No, you don't. Who do you think it's about? Okay. <laughs> okay, so obviously you have heard stories about all the times when I, with multiple partners, have... Yeah. One time we went to Bed Bath & Beyond and bought candles, and then... With the candle? Yeah. <laughs> what? Why lead with that? <laughs> What kind of candle? Just Bed Bath & Beyond candles. Like a Hanukkah candle, but bigger. Yeah. And she wanted me to... She wanted to... That's dangerous. That's what I said. And then you... No, of course not. (laughs) Why would I? We were both on our periods, and that was just like... Blood everywhere. Oh, she made me... What? (laughs) No. Yeah. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. What? Yeah. No. Yes. No. Yeah. Why? I don't know. No. You think I'm lying? I don't think you're lying. I'm thinking of like, what? <laughs> Why would you want that? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a, there's, I mean, I get, but like. Yeah, it was like we. Uh-huh. And, and she, or no, I. And so I was like. And, um. You're a. No, my wrist was cramping, so I had to... Mm-hmm. And I was like... And obviously I was... And so I was like... And she was like... And I was like, oh, no, thank you. Is that the kinkiest sex I've ever had? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say it. That's... <laughs> I think that's it. Between that and, or the candles. Yeah. <laughs> what? I just met her. me up in a nurse's outfit it rides and sticks to my thighs and my hips um well thanks for listening to another episode of one more thing thank you to um dominatrix tessa and <laughs> and thank you to the duke of burgundy on a verde yeah okay and then that, sarah's got that was and so stephanie difficult. hawkins thank you to 440 studios dante reed and mega burnett for the space and our friends with benefits whoa topical whoa yeah um, who are single-handedly supporting this entire season yeah you can find out more about that over at patreon.com slash one more thing oh and thank you to rubber willie oh yeah 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 our guest who was super great so smart thank you for coming on the podcast. And now, drop the podcast and go watch the movie. From yeah, the movie go club. watch me, him, her. And we will see you next week. See for you that. next week. <laughs> Out of control. Oh, God. Has kink in it too. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs>
In Thelma, they have sex in public with snakes. That we love pu- Thelma. That was in public? Yeah, it was, was at that party. But uh, then they went into the void. It, yeah, it took, I was like, it definitely took place yeah. in black. They started at a party, but then they went into the void. Yeah. Much like me at any party. 